The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! <laughs> you think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? <laughs> well, I must have never been paying attention. I could do a two-hour show tonight. Oh, you have that much material? There are days I come in, I gotta wig it. Today's not gonna be one of those days. Hey, you can do a two-hour show. Sure. You just gotta show me the money, baby. (laughs) I can't believe how how inexpensive it is to rent the studio. I'm just saying, it's not that... I made, I made so much money on that debate, it was ridiculous. The sponsors were just rolling in. Can you pull, pull me up a little bit? Sure. Appreciate that. Trying to get a little closer. Hey. Yeah. By the way, I now get the Amazon addiction. I never buy anything on Amazon, but last week I had a little bit of money. Yeah. And I've been dying to get like a few things for my car. I need like floor mats and a couple of things. So I spent like a hundred bucks on Amazon. (laughs) I bought five things, but they all came on five at five different times. Like every time I left my office, there was another package for me. It's like Christmas, right? You get like this adrenaline rush. I could never figure out the Amazon addiction, and only using it once in my life, I now totally get it. (laughs) Oh, consumerism! I went online and I'm like, I must need pens or something. Can I buy something? And the amount of stuff that you can, and then you start building the algorithm, and it says, hey, did you see this cool shiny <laughs> right, thing? Yeah, do you right. want this? And you're like, I think maybe I do want that in my life. God, you get the sexiest <gasps> we place. We missed the papas. We missed the papas. We're so excited. That's how addicted to Amazon you are. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. I haven't bought any jeans in a while. Maybe I'll buy like, now, I'm, now I'm just looking for things yep. to buy, and I'm going, no, 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 stop. This is what gets people in trouble. We gotta have you talk more on the show, though, because when I, I listen, know, you do a lot of talking. I know, but when I li- <laughs> when I listen back, I listen to your voice and I go, "God damn, that literally is the sexiest voice I've ever heard." Uh-huh. you should hear me sing. Yeah, baby. Playing a gig this too. weekend, Saturday night, Sadie's Bar and Grill, Salem, New Hampshire. You know, Free plug for myself. I may, I may just, I may just pop in. Eight to eleven. All right. Mel sounds like he's wrapping up, so we should probably start sure. the show, right? Yeah, let's do that. Hi, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here with the Paying Attention Podcast. Hiya, top two guys, smoke shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. We're going to do a little bit of an election wrap-up today. A couple of things I want to get to first. You know, and again, I don't like to make things about me because really I'm the most irrelevant person of anybody that I talk about on this show. But I do like to use my experiences to try and educate you guys about how scummy the politicians are on the inside. You know, uh, for the last four years, all I've gotten was the shit kicked out of me in Methuen by Methuen City Councilors telling all the new people that got elected, you don't want to be around Duggan. He's a liability. He's toxic. He's, he's no good. People don't like him. He's got a lot of enemies. But all of my enemies are on the inside bubble of politics because it's the people that I cover. And if that's going to be your environment, yeah, everybody hates me. But once you step out of that and you go out into the real world, well, you know, all of the candidates except for one, seven of my eight candidates won on Tuesday. And wouldn't you know what? I woke up this morning and I had phone calls from people in Methuen asking me for my advice. 
Tom, you know, I've been thinking we got this thing coming up on the agenda. I was just, what, are, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? And I'm like, oh, this is funny. This is somebody who hasn't returned my fucking phone calls for the last two years. Now that they see that my support for Estella Reyes didn't hurt her, my support for other candidates like Paul Tucker didn't hurt them, that it actually helped them, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe – if we ever want to run for state office, we should be we should probably be a little nicer to Tom Duggan because you know mm. he's not quite the pariah that we told people he was. Mm. Uh, but you know now it's a little too late though. I could, quite frankly, anybody that calls me for advice now that's been ducking my phone calls for the last uh, two or three years in Methuen, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be too busy rearranging my sock drawer to get back to you at this point. Uh, another thing I want to get to real quick: we had a front page story on the Valley Patriot last month um, about North Andover selectman Chris Nobili. Chris, we had evidence that North Andover selectman Chris Nobili had sold his house, bought a piece of property in Ogunquit, Maine, and was applied to be on the on a town planning board, one of the planning boards for the town in Ogunquit, Maine, and was appointed to one of the town boards while he was keeping a fake address in North Andover and continuing to show up at board meetings in North Andover, hoping to ride out the end of his term. Now, think about that. This is a guy in North Andover. And by the way, I liked Chris Nobili. I voted for Chris Nobili, and I even endorsed Chris Nobili. But when I did, I only asked him one thing in return. In fact, every candidate that I help, I only asked for one thing in return. Like, if you want to buy ads, that's fine, but that's not, that's not, my, that's not my thing. My thing is, if I'm going to help a candidate candidate calls me and says, I really will appreciate your expertise. You've been doing this a long time. I say on one condition. If you win, keep the line of communication open. If there's something going on in town, uh, maybe the Board of Selectmen approved some kind of a grant that's going to help after school kids or something for the elderly, please drop me a quick email. Drop me a quick text. Let me know what's going on so I can research the story and write a story. Just keep me in the loop. Chris Nobili never did that. Like so many other candidates, I campaigned for him, I voted for him, and then I never heard from him again. Until this, until this scandal broke, until we started getting copies of his application to the planning board in Ogunquit, Maine. And then I called him and left him a message, texted him several times, and he never got back to me. He never got back to me. Until after we wrote the story, the story created scandal, he resigned two days after the Valley Patriot hit the streets. And then I got a snarky text message from Chris Nobili up in Ogunquit, Maine, saying how sad it is that, Tom Duggan, you're on Main Street, North Andover, and you never cover any of the positive things we do in town. Really, Chris? Really? Well, did you ever fucking pick up the phone once and say, hey, Tom, you should write a story about some really good thing that's going on in town? Have you ever even forwarded to me the fall festival schedule, sheep sharing schedule, any of the positive things going on. Into, don't tell me that I only cover controversy and I never cover anything positive. If you're an elected official and you've never once sent me an email or a text message telling me about something good going on in town. And by the way, that, that holds for all the elected officials in North Andover. Phil of the future, Phil DeCollegero was the only one who would on a regular basis let me know, hey, Tom, we've got Farmer's Market coming up next week. Maybe you might want to post it to your 22,000 followers on Facebook or put it in the paper for your 22,000 readers in the Valley Patriot. And we always did, and it always helped, and it always helped out the town. But he's the only one. The rest of them think I'm supposed to chase them for stories. Now, look, I cover 30 cities and towns from Newburyport all the way to Lowell. 
I'm one guy. I can't cover everybody. I can't know what's going on in every community. But Chris Nobili, you're one guy covering one town. And in the 10 years that you sat on the board of selectmen, you never once, never once reached out to me and said, here's a positive story. So you've got a lot of nerve at the end of the day after I caught you illegally registered in North Andover, illegally sitting on the board of selectmen while you live in Ogunquit, Maine. Don't then turn it on me and say, oh, well, you're only covering scandal. You never cover any positive stories. I cover lots of positive stories when people tell me about them. But again, I'm only one guy. All right. So Chris Nobili has resigned. And the only thing that I want the people of North Andover to start thinking about right now, considering this situation, because he does have to be replaced, every single member of that board of selectmen knew. They all knew that he was keeping a fake address. Only one spoke out. And that was after I called that person. Everyone else was perfectly happy keeping the public in the dark. Now, if your board of selectmen in North Andover is keeping something like that from the public, it makes you really wonder what else they're keeping from the public. It makes you wonder what else they're keeping secret. So I think Chris Nobili is on to something. Maybe I should be paying a little bit more attention to what my own hometown board of selectmen in North Andover are doing. And so I have decided that from now on, I'm going to start doing that. This is one of those Confucius says, be careful what you ask for kind of thing. Because as soon as I started making phone calls about North Andover to do a North Andover story, you wouldn't believe the stuff that started coming to the surface. Like, all I had to do was start asking. And there's a ton of stuff there. So keep an eye on the next couple of Valley Patriots. You're going to uh, get quite an education as to what's going on in North Andover. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to it now because Chris Nobili's right. I should, be, I should be paying more attention to what's going on in North Andover, and that's what I'm going to do. All right. In the elections on Tuesday, it's Thursday. It's the two days after the primaries. All the candidates at the end of the night said, ah, now we can go party. Now we can relax. Now we're going away for a couple of days. Tom, want to come with us? Nope. Because Tom still has to put a paper together. So while everybody else was relaxing at the end of the election, I had to go home and I had to put the paper together. It went to the printer this morning at 5 a.m. Normally we get it the same day, um, but we won't get it until tomorrow morning. So you'll start to see Valley Patriots. But here's the front page. You got it up on the screen. Oh, when there's two screens, it's the one on the left is in queue. Okay. So here's the front page of our paper, just so that you know you know what to look for when you're out. And uh, it looks as though it looks as though. The real winner in the primary on Tuesday was a guy not even on the ballot. It was Lawrence Mayor Brian DePena. He has become the kingmaker. And when you start to look at some of the numbers in those races, it's, ab- it's absolutely stunning. I came in here a year ago, I think a year ago next month, to talk about who won and who lost in the mayor and city council races in Lawrence. And we pulled up the district-by-district numbers. And I specifically remember in District A, it was very clear that nobody cared who the candidates were. The number of votes that Brian DePena got were directly correlated to the number of votes the city council candidate that he endorsed got. So it didn't really matter who they were. Whoever Brian DePena endorsed, that's who was going to get those numbers. And we saw the exact same thing in this state primary election. He had four major candidates that he was endorsing. He endorsed uh, Pavel Payano for state senate, a Lawrence city councilor. He endorsed Estella Reyes for state representative, a Lawrence city councilor. And he endorsed, he, he recruited and endorsed local businessman Francisco Polino, who had run for city council once before against Estella Reyes. Now it's kind of weird that they're on the same side. Um, 
and he got he got slaughtered. And I think he ran once after that too, and he got slaughtered again. Uh, this time, not so much. So let's see. I want to make sure I didn't forget any of my any of my pre stuff. Uh, let's see. So let's pull up. So let's look at the Estella race, Jim McCarty race. This race was really dirty. It was really dirty, and it got really dirty really fast. The good news for Estella Rays is Jim McCarty is so flipping predictable that Estella Rays and I sat down the day that I decided to help her, and I wrote out for her what he was going to do in the last week before the election and what issues he was going to try to use to smear her. Because she really doesn't have anything in her background that you can smear her on. But there's a couple of things that happened when she was first elected to the city council that people said she did, that were reported that she did. But at the end of the day, once you looked at the deeds and everything else, you find out she really had nothing to do with it. But I sat down with her and said, you know and I know that because of who's backing this kid, Jim McCarty, that they're going to go negative because that's, that's what these people do. And they always wait till the last week, so you can't answer whatever accusation they make. There's no time to get it out there. And they throw out these hit pieces that go out in the mail, and they usually send like five to each individual to make sure you, fi- make sure you get one. Well, it backfired because Estella Reyes, instead of getting down in the dirt with Jim McCarty, instead of firing back and talking about all of his conflicts of interest and how his stepfather's the head of the electrical, uh, 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 the electrical division of, of the city, works for the city, how his uncle's a police captain and was illegally hired to be police deputy, uh, fire deputy chief. His uncle's a fire captain. I'm sorry, not a police captain. He's a fire captain, was illegally hired to be the fire deputy chief. Civil service did this scathing 30-something page report naming all of Jim McCarty's conflicts of interest. She could have just Xeroxed that report and mailed it to every voter, and Jim McCarty wouldn't have got one vote. Instead, Estella Reyes, once it happened, she called me. She was very upset. She called me, and she said, I can't believe you were right. This is exactly what this guy did. And I said, good, now follow your plan of attack. We talked about this four months ago. Go back, grab those notes, and follow that plan of attack. And she did. She stayed classy. She refused to answer any allegation. She refused to go negative. And she continued to knock on doors. And, and whenever someone brought it up, and I watched it a couple of times, someone would bring it up and she'd say, you know, I'm really here to talk about what your priorities are. I'm not here to talk about my opponent. And people on the doors were saying to her, do you know that his cousin did this? And do you know that he covered up that? And she'd say, that's really good to know, but I'm really more concerned about what you think I should be doing for you with the legislature. And that's why these numbers are what they are. If you look at, these are the Lawrence numbers. Now, McCarty's a Methuen city councilor. Estella raises a Lawrence city councilor. This new district encompasses Lawrence and Methuen, and it's about 50-50, but there are more voters in Methuen in this district than there are in Lawrence, which is why Jim McCarty was the front runner going in. And Jim McCarty really should have won this election. By all right, with all of those Methuen voters eclipsing the number of Lawrence voters, Jim McCarty should have kicked her ass, and he should have done it with easily five to eight hundred votes, that should have, that should have been the margin had this been had this gone the way a normal election goes. But the backlash of of the negative pieces that Jim McCarty sent up, and he didn't just send them in Methuen, which would have been smart. 
If he was really smart, he would have sent all the negative pieces to Methuen and all of his positive pieces to Lawrence. But see, he, I, don't, I, I wasn't helping Jim McCarty. That would have been the advice I would have given him. Um, instead, he's listening to all the people he thinks are really smart who really know about elections 40 years ago but haven't really run in one in the last 10, right? So what Jim McCarty did is he sent all the negative pieces in Spanish to Lawrence. And I talked to a number of my Latino Dominican friends who weren't real high on, on Estella Reyes. I mean, they, they liked her, but they weren't, you know, they weren't thrilled to be voting for her. They really weren't sure who they were going to vote for until they got that hit piece. And then it was another white guy picking on another Latino, another guy bullying a woman. That's what, that's what I was hearing when I was in Lawrence, when I'm at, the, when I'm at Bally's, when I'm at, uh, when I'm at Malaya's, when I'm at the nightclubs and I'm hanging out with my friends. That's what I was hearing. And I wasn't soliciting it because I want, when I'm out in the community and people are talking politics, I'm very opinionated, but I, I'm more concerned about understanding why other people think the way they think about certain things and pick their brain because that becomes a representative sample of other voters, right? Like, it, I don't want to influence when, I'm, when I call someone and say, what do you think about the Estella Reyes race? I don't want to start off with, hey, make sure you vote for Estella Reyes because then I'm going to get the answer I want. Right, and the white people that I talked to in Methuen, and I'm going to say that I got no less than a dozen or more comments like this during the campaign, said in the last week, you know, I wasn't even going to vote in the primary. I wasn't even going to vote. But I got this thing in the mail attacking former police chief Joe Solomon. The guy's been gone for a year. What is this guy doing? You know, I liked Joe Solomon. I wasn't going to vote. Now I'm voting just to vote against him. And as a result, here's his, what the Lawrence numbers look like at, uh, at the very bottom of the screen that you've got there on your uh, graph. Uh, Willie Lantigua, who was actually in this race, uh, and we predicted he'd get 300 votes. Let's see how that works out. For the Lawrence numbers, though, we got 183 for a total. He got, um, Jim McCarty got 223 votes in Lawrence. That's probably the few white people that are left that haven't turned the lights out yet in Lawrence. And Estella Ray's got 964 votes in Lawrence. So the hit piece in, in Lawrence that Jim McCarty sent out, not only did it not help, it actually hurt him. Let's bounce to the next one if we can. Um, so ignore the yellow at the bottom because that's the final total. But just looking at the, at the pre, these are Methuen numbers, precinct by precinct. Look at precinct one. Now remember, the first column is Willie Lantigua. The second column is Jim McCarty. And the third column is Estella Ray's. Estella Reyes beat Jim McCarty in Methuen Precinct 1. Methuen Precinct 1 is in the Central District. Jim McCarty is the Central District City Councilor. These are his voters, his own voters in his own district who put him there three times, voted against him for state rep. Now, if you want to talk about the biggest loser of this election, Jim McCarty is the biggest loser of this election. He had the help of Bill Manzi, who's probably the smartest electioneer, campaigning guy I've ever met in my life. Like, I call, even though, like, we're on opposite sides sometimes, I even call Bill Manzi and say, hey, what do you think of this? I need some advice on what, you know, what are, you, what are your thoughts, okay? He had Bill Manzi behind him. He had Neil Perry behind him. In fact, Neil Perry, if, if Brian DePino and Lawrence is the kingmaker today, Neil Perry's the, the, the second biggest loser. Biggest loser is Jim McCarty. Second biggest loser is Neil Perry. None of his candidates won. So how much of a pariah was Tom Duggan now that I'm thinking about it? Really, right? Because Perry couldn't be with me because I was too toxic. I was gonna, I was gonna cost him support. I was, I was not well liked, but I'm only not well liked on the inside. 
that's when I, that's where I'm not well liked because people on the inside have things to hide and they don't want me to be friendly with anybody else on the inside because they're afraid I might find out what they're up to. So they went out of their way and my regular viewers know if you've watched this show on a regular basis, I went out of my way to be good to Neil Perry. And he kept shoving a knife in my back because he thought I was a political liability. And here we are, two days after a primary election, seven of my eight candidates won. Not much of a liability for them. Neil Perry had zero candidates. Zero. And this final number here, if you look at the bottom of the, of the uh, graph that I've got here for you, those are your total numbers. Willie Lintigua got 332. We predicted about 300. I think that's pretty good. Because I, I called almost to the vote how many votes Willie was going to get. But that's because that's his base of support. Those are the people that if Willie walked into a McDonald's and shot 15 people on video, admitted it, and confessed, and went to prison, and ran from prison, those 332 people are still voting for Willie Lantigua. Because there are some people out there, if, when they love you, they love you, and it doesn't really matter. Jim McCarty got 1,151 votes. Estella Reyes, 1,534 votes. He should have beat her by five to 800 votes. She beat him by four. Now, it's not just because of the mailing that went out in the last minute. It's also because Estella Reyes worked her ass off. She out, like Diana DiZoglio, she understands to win an election, you outwork and you outperform at the doors. And if you're even close to winning, that is what puts you over the edge. If you're within five points on election day and you've done the work and hit the number of doors that you need to hit, Diana DiZoglio will tell you she beat a 14-year incumbent state representative eight years ago. She ran against Dave Teresi. Nobody thought she could win. In fact, she came to me and said, I'm going to run, for, run against Dave Teresi. And I said, I'll help you, but just know, out, just know out of the gate you can't win. His father owns Jackson Lumber. He's been a state rep for 14 years. He wins with 80% of the vote every time he runs, no matter whether he's got someone or not running against him. You can't win. You know what she did? She knocked 5,000 doors. And not only did she win, she beat Dave Teresi in his home precinct. Estella Reyes followed the same model. I gave her the same exact model I gave Diana eight years ago. She did the exact same thing I told her. And look at what she did. Look at Methuen 1. That tells you all you need to know. And if you look at some of the other numbers, she's not too far off on some of these either. I mean, Methuen Precinct 15, she only lost by 18 votes. And if Willie Lantigua wasn't in that race, Willie got 21, that most likely would have gone to Estella. She would have won in Methuen Precinct 15. And I believe that's also in the Central District. Congratulations to Estella Reyes. And I, I normally say congratulations to the person who lost, but I, he ran such a smear campaign and such a dirty campaign that I really don't want to say congratulations. You know, I'm going to say congratulations to all the other people who lost who ran clean campaigns. But Estella Reyes showed something. She showed she was classy and professional. And I'm the least classy, least professional person alive, which is why I'll never run for office ever again. But when you see someone like Estella by herself, doesn't mean anything. But when you compare her up to someone who's a typical insider, dirty politician with conflicts of interest and is up to all kinds of shenanigans, and then you put them together, the contrast is stark. It really is stark. What do we have next? So uh, in the state rep race for uh, Marcos Devers, my friend, this hurt me personally. This hurt me. I love, I love Marcos. He's been my friend since 19, 
I'm going to say 1987 or 89 when he first ran for city council. He was the first Latino to win a citywide election in Lawrence. I actually helped, I actually helped him manage that campaign, which is weird, though, because every time I go on Facebook and share my political views about like immigration, I keep getting called a racist. And then I always just like throw out pictures of me like endorsing Latino candidates going, you know any members of the Klan that do this? What are you talking about? But anyways, Marcos Devers versus Francisco Polino. Look at those numbers. He, lo- he lost by about 100 votes, right? Do I have that right? One third, like 160 votes or so. If I got that right, like 160. My, I went to Lawrence High School, so I got to call. I got to do math on my fingers and then I got to use my toes. Um, Marcos should have won that race. That should have been an easy win for Marcos. Marcos has been like a 14-year incumbent, if I have that right. He is very popular. He's very well-liked. He does not get involved in controversy. He doesn't badmouth other people. He doesn't campaign like Jim McCarty. He doesn't send out negative hit pieces. He's Mr. Love and Power. And 99 times out of 100, that's going to work for a guy like Marcos, except Marcos Devers endorsed Kendris Vasquez for mayor last year. And I begged him not to. I literally went to his house, which I never do. I'd rather call on the phone or text because I don't like like to go out to even get my own mail. But I left my office. I went to his house and I sat down with him and said, you have to support Brian DePena. You cannot support Kendris. And he said, Tommy, Tommy, he my fling. He my fling and I loyal to my fling. And I said, then then at least stay out of it, Marcos. If If you can't endorse Brian... At least stay out of it because Brian's going to win. And when Brian wins, he's going to start running a slate of candidates for state office, just like previous mayors have done. And he's not going to be supporting you. And you two guys really could work well together. I put them both in the same room. I tried to get them to work it out. I walked, I actually, halfway through the discussion, I actually just got up and left. I was like, you know what, I'm done. I, the, I tried to put these two, just like when I tried to put Jessica together with Steve Saber. And one was willing and one wasn't. I just walked away. I, I, I tried. Well, here we are. Payday has come, Marcos. And I'm sorry to say that the reason why these numbers are what they are is because last year, Marcos Devers supported Kendris Vasquez. This is all Brian DePena. This is all, if Brian DePena had stayed out of this election and not endorsed anybody, Marcos would have won. Not to mention the fact that Francisco Polino ran this election. And by the way, he ran a good election. I mean, he, I heard a lot of complaints about his behavior during the election. And I don't know if those were coming from Marco's people or if I was being set up, if it was real. But I heard a lot of complaints about Francisco yelling at people because he is kind of a bull in a china closet. I like the guy, but we'll just call it like it is. He is kind of a, ch- a bull in a china closet. He's, he's kind of – he comes across as a bully even when he's not being a bully. It's just kind of the way he comes across. Um, I, I don't know that Francisco could have beat him without Brian DePena, but he did. He did. And Marcos Devers now has the distinction of being the only incumbent in the legislature who lost his seat on Tuesday. The only incumbent that lost. And by the way, I tell you guys all the time when we talk about elections that the only time you're ever going to beat an incumbent, like there's always like that one exception from 40 years ago, but the only time realistically you're ever going to beat an incumbent is in a primary. In a final election, incumbents almost never lose, almost never lose, right? Like um, Donald Trump lost, right? We all can remember that because it happens so seldom. One was the, um, who was the, George Bush's father lost re-election, I think, when he ran for his second term. But those are the two exceptions that we can remember because they happen so seldom. 
no Lawrence mayor that I can remember in my lifetime lost a, has lost as an incumbent. None of, they've never been thrown out. In Methuen, and I could be wrong about this, but in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen an incumbent lose an election as mayor of Methuen. It just doesn't happen. Incumbents don't lose unless something really bizarre happened. And here in the, I think it's the 14th Essex district, something bizarre happened. And what happened was Brian DePina put together a team of people that he got together in a room, and I was in on some of those meetings, and the entirety of the discussion was, I don't care about social issues, I don't care about abortion, I don't care about the death penalty, I don't care about any of this other stuff. We need a team that's going to bring money to Lawrence. We need a team that's going to bring funding into Lawrence to help Lawrence get better. And everyone needs to be working on the same team. We all need to be working together. And we all need to be taking our direction from the mayor because the mayor is the guy that knows what Lawrence needs for funding. So Brian is now the captain of the ship in Lawrence and Methuen. Let's go. Uh, let's, let's finish this off. Well, 11 minutes left. All right, I'll try and breeze through this. In the Senate race, this was a little bit of a surprise for me. I, I was predicting Pavel would probably win this election. I didn't think he'd win it by 1,200 votes, but he did, if my math is correct. Doris Rodriguez, by the way, I was expecting her to get between three and 500 votes. She actually exceeded what we thought she was going to get. And what that tells me, Doris, if you're listening, what that tells me is Doris Rodriguez needs to run for a smaller office build herself a base of support, go out and take care of potholes and take people's complaints about their streetlights being out and take care of those things for them as a city councilor. And then when, once you've built up a base of support, then you come back and you run for a seat like this for state Senate and that 931 number becomes somewhere in the neighborhood of four to 5,000. Because that's exactly, by the way, what Pavel Payano and Eunice Ziegler did. They're both city councilors. Eunice Ziegler is a councilor in Methuen. Pavel is a councilor in Lawrence. And Pavel was the top vote getter in Lawrence. He, he ran at large. Eunice is a district councilor. She has not topped the ticket because she's in that race with um, Steve Saber. And Steve Saber has a larger base of support in the east end of Methuen. But both of them have built up a constituency. People that have called them and said, Hey, I've got a problem on my street with noise. Can you talk to the police department? They won't come anymore. Or, hey, i got a pothole in front of my house, and, and, and I lost my suspension getting into my driveway. Can you call DPW for me? I've called. They won't listen. And so both Pavel and Eunice have built up a small base of support within their community that when they decided to run for higher office, they already have people that they can tap into. They can hold signs. They can donate money. They can run a fundraiser. that will help them make phone calls. that will help them do mailings. And Doris didn't have that. And that's, you know, that's, it's, it's no criticism of her. It's just, it's what it is. She didn't have it. And so uh, Pavel Payano pulls up. I actually had the numbers precinct by precinct. They're really fascinating. Um, Eunice probably should have done a little better in this. But Brian DePina sent out a, not just a mailing, he sent out multiple mailings the weekend before the election last weekend with his slate of candidates that he wanted people to vote for. And he actually had like a sample ballot with their names and had the names checked. And now you don't think that that's like a big thing, but psychologically, subconsciously, you're looking at a ballot with a name already checked. When you walk into the ballot and it's blank, your mind already checks those boxes because it recalls that 
visual image that you had when you looked at the one that was all checked that you got in the mail. And it makes people subconsciously more, more likely to vote for those candidates. By the way, they've done studies on that, and that's actually true. I, can't, I think it was like, uh, it was some place, I, I don't know if it was Auburn University or one of the universities down south, I remember reading a few years ago, did like this extensive subconscious subliminal thing with campaign advertising, and it was absolutely totally true. Uh, Pavel Payano, class act. I went to his um, campaign headquarters election night, and he thanked Ewan Ziegler. And I was told, by the way, this morning, and I don't know if this is true, I please let it not be true, that Eunice never called to concede. And, and if that's the case, I know she called. We went live when Pavel gave his speech the night that he won, and then she called me and said, I don't have the Lawrence numbers. So I asked Pavel's people to give me the Lawrence numbers. I took screenshots and sent them over to her, thinking she would then call and concede. And by the way, conceding, it's not really, it's, it's a formality, you know? I mean, whether you concede or you don't concede, the person who wins still wins, the person who loses still loses. But it's really kind of a, it's kind of a nicety in politics. There aren't many niceties in politics, but one of the niceties is usually when someone knows that they've lost the election, they call the other person and say, Hey, you know, you ran a good campaign, good luck. If you need anything when you get into office, please give me a call. Of course, they never mean any of it when they do make the phone call, but they make the phone call because it's one of the very few, if the only, nicety of politics. Uh, Let's bounce to a couple of other races because we only got seven minutes left. Here's the next one. Here's the big one. This was the big one, folks. I walked out of Lawrence walking on clouds. I was like, oh, my God, Estella Ray's beat that, that crook Jim McCarty. And I'm so happy, and I'm a little sad that Marcos lost, but I'm so glad that Jim McCarty lost because he's such a crook. And then I went back to the office and said, maybe I'll go to Diana DiZaglio headquarters. And I put on TV, and they had her up by about 2%, and she was projected to lose by 5 to 8 points. Every single poll last weekend that was conducted and released had Diana DiZaglio 5 to 8 points behind. And I texted her, and I said, this is when you shine. Every time you've run for state rep, you were the underdog and you won. When you ran for state senate, you were the underdog and you won. Now you're running for state auditor, you're the underdog. You've got two or three days left. This is when you pour it on. This is when you shine. All that, all that work you did back in April is now going to come to fruition. And I, I got the impression for her she didn't think she was going to win. And I told her, hold your breath. I think it's coming. But I was being hopeful. I didn't know anything because I was looking at the same polling numbers she did. Look at those freaking numbers. Look at those numbers. She beat this guy by 60,000 votes. And a friend of mine called me on election night and he said, the Boston numbers just came in. Diana's still ahead. And I got goosebumps. I said, the Boston, this guy she's running against is from Boston. And the Boston numbers just came in and she's ahead. She wins. Unless she loses Worcester, like five to one, she wins this race. But then like, you know, the skeptic in the back of my head said, yeah, but you know what? Don't call it because something can always happen. And we waited and we waited and somewhere around 1130, 12 o'clock at night, the final numbers started getting posted and she ends up with 54% of the vote. The Democrat Party pumped millions of dollars into Chris Dempsey's campaign to stop her. I talked to a Boston city councilor two weeks before the election, who said to me that his number one goal in life was to stop Diana DiZaglio from achieving power. The insiders hated her because they can't control her. 
And what's really interesting is that the Democrat Party, especially in Massachusetts, runs around talking all the time about how much they love women. We have to empower women, women empowerment. We have to put women in jobs, CEOs. And we have to have women, and we have to, and we have to pay women more. And it's all women, 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 unless it's a woman who doesn't do what the fuck she's told. And if you're a woman who doesn't do what she's told, like Diana DiZaglio doesn't do what her party tells her to do, then a sissy white guy will do just fine. Because it's not really about women, it's about getting women who will do what they are told. If you're an obedient woman, the Democrat Party will support you. If you're not an obedient woman, a white guy will do. Which flies in the face of everything they say they believe, but we all know that they're all liars to begin with, right? Well, Diana DiZaglio is no liar. She went out there and she poured it on. She knocked thousands and thousands and thousands of doors. And she did it strategically. She looked at the map and she saw, where is this guy the strongest? Where am I the weakest? When he ran for office last time, what kind of numbers did he get? Who voted against him? Who, what was the demographic that didn't like him? Let's target them. And she went out and she worked her ass off. All right. Congratulations to Diane Zogli. We've got four minutes left. Let's go to the next one. District Attorney, this one made me really happy. Paul Tucker's been on the show a couple times. He's a former police chief in Salem, Mass. He is a state representative. He's a former drug detective. He is FBI Academy trained. The guy running against him was, is a defense attorney. And thank God the people of Essex County saw right through that. We don't want anybody that's going to be thinking about criminal rights if you're going to be a prosecutor. We don't want to be L.A. or San Francisco or any of those other cities or New York where they just let criminals go. Paul Tucker pulls off decisive win. And by the way, the reason for that, I could tell you for sure in Essex County, Everywhere I went during this campaign, I bumped into Paul Tucker. I went to a Pavel Piano fundraiser, there's Paul Tucker. Estella Reyes, there's Paul Tucker. I went to a Lawrence City Council meeting where we were trying to get the city council to approve TMF, feeding the homeless at the bus stop, and I walked into Lawrence City Hall, and there's Paul Tucker. And I'm like, Jesus, dude, you're everywhere. You're everywhere, not just at political events, but at government events. And I think that hard work that he did I think that was the reason why he won by, let's see, three, five, that's eight, by about 8,000 votes in Essex County. That's pretty good. Let's bounce to the next one. Here's a, here's a surprise. I thought it, this was a surprise. I don't think anybody thought Kevin Coppedge was going to lose. He didn't lose, but look how close. This Virginia Lee, remember I put the pictures up? She's the one that was like really beautiful on the beach, right? I, I would have been okay. Look, I would have been perfectly fine looking at her for the next six years if she had won. But we like Kevin Coppinger. He's a former cop. He's a former police chief in Lynn, Massachusetts. He only beat her by 4,000 votes, like 4,700 votes or something in that neighborhood. That's shocking. He worked. He came on this program. He bought ads. He was out in the community. He showed up at fundraising. I didn't see him as much as I saw Paul Tucker, but I did see him. He was out there. And he was at, at uh, some of the North Andover events. I think he was at Sheep Sharing, where we ran into him and his crew. He, he was putting in the work, but wow. Wow. To win two years ago by such a huge margin, to now only win by 4,000 votes. It's a good thing for Kevin Carpenter this is a six-year seat. Because if this was a two-year seat, I'd say, you know what? Within two years, this guy's going to be gone. But right now, he's in. He's got six years. And who knows if six years, if he's, I mean, six is a long time. I don't think anybody should be elected for six years, but we'll see. I've got a minute left. What's left? Oh, see, we have nothing left. We're done with these, huh? All right, we're, we're good. Um, the, it, it, was, it was a fun race. I have to say, this was, this, 
I never get excited about a primary because primaries usually don't mean anything. Usually, there's maybe one contested primary race and everything else is pretty much determined. Um, kind of like on the Republican side, if you pulled a Republican ballot, you had a choice for governor. You had Jeff Deal versus Chris Doty. By the way, Jeff Deal won that race decisively. I think it was like around 40,000 votes. It was huge. So obviously, Chris Doty never really had a shot at that. Um, I, I wish that he had done better. I liked Chris Doty a lot. But now Jeff Deal is going to be running as governor, for governor, against Maura Healy. But Jeff Deal has the backing of Donald Trump, as I said on previous shows. So what was the headline Wednesday morning in all the Boston papers? Trump, backs, Trump backed Deal wins Republican primary. And every side, every way now, from now on, everywhere you see the word deal, you're going to see the word Trump, because the Democrats and the media want to tie them together, because the Democrats and the media know that Donald Trump is more hated in Massachusetts than Charlie Manson. It's just, it's just the way that it is. The, the rabid left-wing base of the Democrat Party in Massachusetts would rather elect Adolf Hitler than Donald Trump, because to them, Donald Trump is worse, because to them, Donald Trump threatens their power. And that's why they portray him as a Nazi. Well, you've got, you've got Jeff Deal. Uh, 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 Leah Cole Allen also ran. Don't get old, kid. You, just, you, you, you get in the middle of a thought, you just lose it. Uh, Leah Cole Allen won for uh, lieutenant governor, and they're going to go up against Maura Healy. Also, one both. I know time's up. You can wrap up with Mel. You can start with Mel if you want. The other surprise, I got one prediction wrong. I got one prediction wrong. We said, I came in here and I said, I think Bill Galvin is all done as Secretary of State. Um, uh, he not only won, but he won hugely. He won like 65-35 in that race. And I think uh, John Keller was the one that said it on Twitter. He said, um, he said, it looks like in the Democrat Party, I'm trying to remember exactly. He said, it looks like in the Democrat Party, if you're an incumbent, you really have to have a good reason to throw somebody out of office, throw an incumbent out of office. And the Democrats didn't have one with Bill Galvin. So Bill Galvin wins. He's going to run up against Rayla Campbell. That's, a, that's an easy win. He wins that 80-20, I think. But Rayla's, gonna, Rayla's been begging me to come on the show. So we will have Rayla come on. And I'll ask her the same question, like, why are you running? You know you can't win. It's really weird how candidates never know how to answer that question. And mostly they don't know how to answer that question because nobody's got the balls to ask it. So they've never been confronted with a question like, why are you running when you can't win? And of course, you always go, oh, of course we can win. You know, the stars could align and lightning could strike and the other guy could get a heart attack. And yeah, no, in, in 90% of the races, we know who's going to win. And in that Secretary of State's uh, uh, race, we know Rayla Campbell's not going to win. I like her. I'm certainly thinking of voting for her, but I don't think she can win. All right, you can ro- roll up Mel. I don't know if you hear me. We're good. I, I could just keep going forever. All right. Oh yeah, we got to do the sponsors. Let's do the sponsors. By the way, thank you, thank you to all of our, thank you to all of our sponsors who not only sponsored the show, but who sponsored that state senate race debate that we had a couple of weeks ago with Pavel, Eunice, and Doris. That was a fantastic debate. I have a number of voters who said that they made their mind up as to who to vote for after watching that debate. And I don't care who you voted for. I just wanted to make sure we put the information out so that you could evaluate the candidates based on what you're looking for, and then you could make up your own mind. I didn't endorse anyone in that race. I wanted to, but after I read what all of the candidates said about critical race theory in the schools, uh, I realized that none of them are really going to represent me at all, ever, like on any issue. Um, So I didn't. 
But uh, congratulations to all the candidates who ran and won. Congratulations to all the candidates except Jim McCarty who ran and lost. Because almost all of you, with the exception of Jim McCarty, ran a clean campaign. And ran on your virtues, not attacking the other guy. So I want to thank our sponsors here. Let's see. McLennan Real Estate, Century 21. Lazy River Products and Drake at Marston and Son Construction, EIS Investigation and Gun Training. I know we're going over. Borelli's right. Deli, Tomo Shaken, Tomo and Shaken Seafood, Clear Path for Veterans, New England, AFC Urgent Care, and Pleasant Valley Landscaping. Free shout out to JG's. Oh, good, we got more yeah, music. We just, it just all starts right. again. And I, and I also want to and I also want to thank all of our debate sponsors. They were AFC Urgent Care. State Representative Marcos Devers, State Representative Candidate Francisco Polino, State Representative Candidate Estella Reyes, and Candidate for District Attorney Paul Tucker, all, all of them except for Marcos, actually won the election. So don't let anybody tell you going on Duggan's show is going to cost you votes. Doing business with the Valley Patriots is going to cost you, cost you votes. It's going to cost you support. Because we proved once again that's actually not only is it not the case, but the opposite is the case. Chrissy... Thank you for being my fine, fine producer. You're welcome. We're going to have Dr. Gomer, my Ooh. dentist, is coming in in the next couple of weeks. But he's not going to talk about dentistry. He actually was born in Ukraine. Uh. And he wants to talk about what's going on in Ukraine from the perspective of a Ukrainian. And I thought my audience would really like that. So Melvin Taylor says we got to go home. Chrissy, I love you. Aw, <laughs> I like you a lot. Oh. That's better <laughs> I'm in love than, with somebody else. Better than All I right. get from most other people. There you go. <laughs> Can't even get an exclamation point after good morning for some of them. All right. See you next week. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.